0: This is Reset, I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Have you ever picked up a hobby and very quickly felt like you're terrible at it? I've been there and so have a lot of us, but I got to thinking, I mean, do I actually have to be good at something in order to enjoy it? Not in the slightest, and that is the point of hobbies. They're supposed to be fun and stress-free. I picked up cross-stitching, for instance, in middle school. I did that for a good while, and one of our guests today, well, knitting is her thing. And I'm talking about Greta Johnson, host of WBEZ's Nerdette podcast, which is celebrating 10 years. Hey, Greta. Hi, Sasha. Good to see you. Good to see you. Also joining us is a master of the fiber arts, Donna Polica, who owns Sisters Art Studio. Welcome, Donna.
1: Welcome. Thank you for inviting me. This is really exciting.
0: Sure. Uh, Let's start with you, Donna. What is fiber arts for the person at home scratching their head right now?
1: Well, I consider fiber arts to be any craft where you're using yarn or fabric to create a finished project. So it could be knitting, it could be crochet, it could be weaving, it could be felting, it could be embroidery, needlepoint, etc.
0: So I was wrong. It's not exclusive to just knitting or crochet.
1: Absolutely not, no.
0: So, like we said, Greta, you like to knit. (laughs) I mean, how did you get into that, first of all?
2: A friend actually taught me when I was 16, and I suppose it was probably a fairly common hobby in my hometown of Fairbanks, Alaska. And, yeah, it's wild. I mean, yeah, I've been knitting now for over 20 years. So your
0: friend was a knitter, and you were like— What yeah, is that? her mom I taught to try her it.
2: and it looked fun. And yeah, I ended up teaching my mom, which is kind of funny. It's not quite how it goes usually. Yeah,
0: that's, that is interesting. Did you get it right away or did it oh, take some no. time?
2: Oh, no, no, of course it takes time. I love what you were saying in the intro. I think so much about hobbies, especially picking new stuff up as adults, is that we're so uncomfortable with sucking at stuff mm-hmm. as we get older. And it's so good for your brain. It's such a good practice to learn a new skill, whatever it is. Yeah. So yeah, of course it took a while. And there are still things that I'm better or worse at. And that's part of the joy of it. So it, it for took sure. a second to get comfortable. Totally. With it. Okay, yeah. Okay. That,
0: that's, that's you know, that's encouraging. Yeah. Yeah. Of
2: course. Donna, you
0: know, there can be a lot of pressure as, as we were just talking about to make sure that things are perfect or that they turn out right on the first try. Do you see that in your
1: classes? Um, I do see it more with adults Mm -hmm. than I do with children, I think. What is wrong um, with us? (laughs) I
2: know. Yeah,
1: I mean, children are learning every day of their lives since they've been born. And so this is just something additional that's fun to do that um, can take them away from, you know, the screen time. um, And also... um, also you're in the moment when you're working on a project when you're knitting or crocheting it's very meditative yeah um that's adults true. definitely are more difficult on themselves but not <laughs> everybody and i think one of the things that we stress in our classes is that mistakes are going to happen and every project that you see any finished garment that we make always has a mistake in it it's never perfect it is a human nature
0: Greta, you're nodding. So yeah.
2: you're you've got mistakes in your uh, your, course, your blankets and of hats. Of course. Well, and it's funny, Donna, because that reminds me of I have a friend who's been taking some sewing classes at Little Street and she made this really cute fanny pack. It's actually Nerdette's producer, Anna Bauman. I hope she doesn't mind that I'm calling her out right now. But we were having brunch a couple of weeks ago and I was like, oh, my gosh, you made that. That's so cool. Let me see. And she was like, oh, I messed it up here and here and here. And Immediately her partner pointing Ian was errors. like, "Anna, you don't have to do that. No one else would notice." And I thought that was such a nice little lesson, too, right? Because I think we're so attuned to kind of being like, "Oh yeah, this is you know here are the flaws I see." But yeah. it's like, odds, I don't, I don't know how to make a fanny pack. It was beautiful. I would never have noticed the flaws, you
0: know. And as I'm, I'm thinking of Anna right now. I do the same, right? Thing. Of course, I do the exact same yeah. thing. I want to just point out. The, the flaws yeah, immediately. Yeah, like
2: the stitch is weird, the stitch is weird. Yeah.
0: What are some of the things that you've knitted in the in, in the past?
2: Oh, gosh. You know, over the last several years, I've gotten really into like ridiculously large projects, like a blanket. Ooh. Or what I really like making are shawls, which are essentially just like giant triangles. <laughs> um, and they'll take, That's you know, true. like 10 or 12 skeins. And it's like this epic project where like one round or like stretch across is like hundreds of stitches. And those are really satisfying. But you know, it's really nice to do like a hat just because that's so much faster, or even mittens. The thing I don't really like about mittens is that then you have to make two of them. (laughs) And then if they don't match, that's kind of, you know, if like the thumb ends up longer on the other, I'm going to fixate on that. Speaking of (laughs) mistakes.
0: You'll hand me a pair of mittens. Exactly. But one thumb's bigger than the other.
2: Yeah. Or like, you know, I've knitted a couple sweaters, and those can be a real challenge, but so satisfying. But like the first sweater I made, the sleeves are definitely uneven. And it's one where like I pull up my sleeves most of the time anyway. you wouldn't notice, but like, if I were to just like stick my arms out and you'd be like, oh yeah, uh, that, right. that one's definitely lovely. I'm sure it's beautiful though, Greta. <laughs> it's lovely. Donna, can you, can you
3: relate
1: here? Oh, absolutely. I think, um, in you know, in every project, what we, what usually happens in knitting or crochet is you're trying to challenge yourself. Mm. You're trying to learn something new. And I think one of the, the important things is that when people are taking on a project, they they do it in consecutive order. So, for instance, you, you're going to take a beginning knitting class or a beginning crochet class. You're not going to jump to socks. Mm-hmm. You're going to start with flat items, and you're going to go to maybe hats, mm-hmm. and then maybe sweaters, and then more intricate items like socks. And um, so there, it is a progression, and I think um, if you're mindful about using your yarn shop as a resource, they can help you to determine what your next step or what your next project will be
0: yeah well i mean have you greta quit any activities in the past just because you were just so frustrated any hobbies you mean like in general Mm
2: -hmm. Uh, i don't know about frustrated i took up the ukulele uh over the pandemic i took some classes at the um oh my gosh of course i'm gonna blank on the name you know the folk art what's it called the music Oh my gosh. Old, Old Town School of Folk. Thank yes. you. Good job. Nice teamwork. Yes. There. And yeah, that was one where it was like, I feel like I got to a certain skill level where it was like, either it's about to get much harder or I can just kind of chill in the shallow end, Mm -hmm. you know, and I decided to chill in the shallow end. (laughs) Um, And that was nothing about like the classes themselves. It was just sort of like where I was at and the challenge level I was up for. So, you know, that was less about frustration and more just about like, you know, how challenging do I want this to be? How much time do I have for it? You know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So for
0: me, I'm thinking most immediately of the pandemic. I'm glad you brought us there because mm-hmm. um, I, I picked up, you know, coloring again, oh, right? Love. I was doing that. Yeah. It was wonderful. Um, and nothing happened. I just kind of yeah. moved on. Yep. I just kind of maybe got bored with
2: yeah. it. It happens. I think that's the challenge, right, is to find that sweet spot where, like, you're not bored with it, but it's also not too hard, which I'm sure, Donna, you work with students a lot around that, too, yeah. I'm sure.
1: Yes. I actually, um, when I started my fiber art journey, I started um, with my daughter, who was a very young child at the time. Um, and we started with a very simple rigid heddle loom. So we did, you know, we, we wove scarves for her teachers mm-hmm. the first year. And then the following year where I just, we discovered knitting. I taught myself to knit and then I taught her, her to knit and she picked it up, of course, in like five minutes. <laughs> could of always course. Do that. And then the next year I learned to crochet and then, you know, the journey just kept going on and on. The one thing that I always come back to is knitting because it's very portable.
3: Mm-hmm. You can
1: take it with you. I love the the way that the end product looks with the knit stitch and the and the pearl stitch combined stockinette yeah. stitch, mm-hmm. and so I think it's it's good to explore the the different different fiber arts and then to settle on something that you really are interested in working with long term. Yeah. and you can go back and forth. For you know, sure. right now there's a huge resurgence in crochet, and so we have as many crochet classes as we have knitting classes this year because. Wow. Of uh, the fabric industry, the fashion industry is showing a lot of crochet garments. So n- now that's where it's trending.
0: Yeah, who knew a, a huge resurgence in in crocheting? I'm also wondering, Donna, if a hobby like knitting or crocheting can help with your mental
1: health. Yes, um, as do you do it to fact, relax? Yes, I started knitting because I was a very nervous individual right mm. after nine eleven. Mm. And I really wanted to stay away from the television, I wanted my young daughter to stay away from the television, and that's when I started picking up the knitting needles and teaching myself. I didn't know that it was going to give me the relaxation and the meditation that it did, and so since that time, I've never stopped knitting.
0: What about you, Greta? How do you get in the the zone?
2: I find it super meditative as well. I will say one of my favorite times to knit is actually during pledge drives, like between breaks, you know. It's a really nice time to just sort of like have something to do with my hands. I can still listen really well, so I think it works great for that. Um, But I I have found, and this is so ridiculous, but I can't knit before bed because I get too stimulated. (laughs) It's like what cell phones do. I'm like, do, one right? more row, one more row. I can do more. But you it's know how ridiculous. doctors say
0: stay away from scrolling yeah, on exactly. social media yeah. before going to sleep because yeah. that's what leads to like insomnia. So for you, totally. that's knitting. I just
2: get too excited. <laughs> I can't
0: handle it. I love it. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. If you're just tuning in, we're talking about hobbies and how they can be the low stress activity you need in your life. That voice is Greta Johnson, host of WBEZ's Nerdette podcast. And we're talking about her favorite pastime, which is knitting. And we're talking with a fiber arts master, Donna Polica, who's owner of Sisters Art Studio. So, Donna, I'm picturing entering a craft store, uh, being met with rows and rows and rows of yarn. So if I'm new to fiber arts, I mean, where would you suggest I begin
1: well, in our particular, in our shop, what we experience is that people who come into the shop and say, "I'm brand new to knitting and I want to learn so and so." Or, "I am I've got a, a pattern here and I want to learn how to make a hat." One of the things that we do in our store is our yarn is organized by weight. So, if a, a particular person is looking for a hand washable yarn versus a machine washable yarn, our store is divided by sections. So you don't have to meander through the entire shop, figure out where your focus should be. It's going to be in one section. And I would say um, small yarn shops are very, very good resources for anyone who's crafting. Mm, okay. We've all started as beginners. We all know the journey, and we're here to help um, you throughout your own journey.
2: Yeah. No, that's good. And, and Greta's nodding. You, you agree. For sure. Yeah. I kind of helped out at a yarn shop in my hometown and it was really fun. There's such a great community around yarn shops. Often you can even find like a knit night at a local yarn shop where yes. like people bring like wine and snacks, but you know, some like random weeknight I evening love or something. And that's a really fun way to get to know people too. But literally at any time you can walk into a yarn shop and say help and there will be at least one person who will be very happy to help you figure it out.
0: And speaking of nights at Sisters Art Studio, Donna you've got a stitch night yes
2: yes
1: as a matter of fact it's on Thursday evenings from five o'clock to eight o'clock awesome that's a happy hour Um, perfect I know is there wine yeah we do encourage people (laughs) to bring their own beverages um if the weather is nice we'll drag up all of our chairs on the sidewalk and we'll hang out on the sidewalk until it's too dark to knit it or crochet anymore yeah and then we'll come back in so so we've been doing
2: that from the very beginning yes that's that's amazing I'm going to see you tonight Donna
0: Okay. <laughs> yeah. No more is knitting dubbed as a, a grandma activity, I think, right? You know, you're offering this, Donna, to, to kids. And Greta, you picked it up at what, 16? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it sounds to me like this is something for everyone.
2: I like to think of it as being still a little bit geriatric, to be honest. But that's just because <laughs> I, you know, I also like to eat dinner early and like do crossword puzzles. So I'm just kind of leaning into like aging gracefully, you know? Yeah, for
0: sure. Well, I mean, <laughs> Folks are listening now. They're, like me, going to finally try this thing because I've been saying Are you going to do it? I really am going to do it because what I love is the end product. Yes. I think Donna hit the nail on the head earlier. It's like- when you are able to look at this sweater this thing this shawl yeah, right i'm, yeah. I'm going to follow in your footsteps and start making <laughs> triangles um, that that's got to be rewarding so what what's your advice for first time knitters out
2: there it's so rewarding it's also really practical and i love that it's like kind of like it's a post apocalyptic life skill which like i don't know about you sasha but like as a journalist it's like i'm not sure i can bring much to the table in like a zombie situation but I can at least like help keep people warm with these knitted <laughs> wares. My advice, I think, is around Donna's. Like, I think you should just go to a yarn store and follow your heart. I mean, so much of what's pleasurable about any fiber art is that it's so tactile. So I think you gotta go and you gotta just touch a bunch of stuff and you gotta pick your favorite color. Yeah. And then just, and know that like whatever project, and literally for me, even more than 20 years into having learned, you're gonna start a new project seven times, at least before you like actually can get rolling and you Thank know what you you're for doing. That. So I think a lot of it is just kind of like forgiving yourself and moving forward as you can. That's which is so, so, so reassuring, life, right? yes,
0: yes. And before we let you go, Donna, where can we learn more?
1: You could learn more, um, go to our website, sisterartsstudio.com, and uh, you can find our upcoming classes on the website you can register on the website um currently i have a group of campers outside that are dying yarn on the sidewalk as we speak <laughs> <Love
4: it. laughs>
1: we uh, also have one more uh week's worth of camp next week our morning camp is is actually uh crochet level three and then in the afternoon we're actually we're doing locker hooking rug hooking. it's a t- traditional rug hooking process That's so, so cool. go to our website you'll find everything on the website
0: Fantastic. We've been talking with Donna Polica, who's owner of Sister Art Studio, and Greta Johnson, host of WBEZ's Nerdette podcast. Thank you both for joining us. And we're back now with more Reset. I'm your host, Sasha Ann Simons. We have been talking about creative hobbies and the flexibility that they can bring to our lives. There's a chance to be technical in constructive activities like model kits or more artistic with painting. So, where do we go to learn? Joining us is a panel of local crafters from all over the creative spectrum to show us how to get started. We've got Sean Devine, who's the founder and instructor of Chicago School of Woodworking. Welcome to Reset. Thank you. Also, here from Chicago School of Woodworking, turning instructor Andy Cuby. Thanks for being here. Thank you. And to round us out, Chris Bussey, who's the owner of Penguin Foot Pottery. Hey, Chris. Thanks for being here, Chris. I want to start off by asking all of you how you got started in your craft. So, Sean, I'm, I'm looking at you first because you, you actually bought the woodworking school. Is that right? Well, I we
4: started the woodworking school. You started school. it? It wasn't oh. anything to
0: buy. Ah, so yeah. I mean, so the inspiration. Started from scratch.
4: Where yes. did that come from? I took classes similar to the ones that we offer, they were like community hobbyist based classes. Uh-huh. And then I did a one year apprenticeship. And then, not long after that, the founder of that school died, and my business partner at, and I s- decided to open the Chicago School of Woodworking.
0: Wow! And and Andy, you worked as an architect. Is that what helped you become interested? Or
5: uh, I've been an architect for fifty years, uh, and was involved in building houses, building uh, building trades, mm-hmm. and was making furniture right from the beginning. Uh, And about 40 years ago, a partner of mine gave me a lathe.
0: (laughs) So, I mean, so this was right (laughs) up your alley.
5: It was, I have no idea why he gave it to me. Uh, (laughs) And for about 10 years, I just poked at it. And then finally, my wife said, you have to take a lesson.
0: It's time. (laughs) (laughs) Chris, how about you? How long have you been into pottery making and, and ceramics?
3: Yeah, I, uh, let's see. I started in high school. It was less like an elective art class. Mm-hmm. Um, and then went to college for art education, kind of focused on uh, pottery. And then uh, CPS teacher for a while, then got laid off a bunch of times from budget cuts. And me and my wife decided, let's just open our own wheel own shop. Time today. to start our own thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you know, you you bring up a good point. High school, right? Because I, I, I did, you know, wood shop and, and in high school. and. I wasn't good. Uh, certainly not good enough to think. Oh, I should take this further. <laughs> it was, you know, it was for me, like like Chris mentioned, more of an elective. So, I'm curious, you know, from all of you, were you immediately good at this thing, or did it take time? You first, Chris.
3: Um, absolutely not.
0: No. <laughs> okay. Okay. Good. I was terrible
3: at it. Uh, absolutely
5: not.
0: <laughs> so it's an absolutely not from from Chris. Absolutely and not. Absolutely <laughs> not from Sean too. Okay. So uh, so what was the thing, Sean, that that got you to keep at it? Ooh,
4: um I think it was the the process and the end product. You know, you're not good at it to start with, but you know, I think seeing seeing the results is kind of motivating and keeps you the final trying. product. Yes.
0: Yeah. What about you, Andy?
5: I it's practice, 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 and I was beginning to turn out things I liked, so I kept going.
0: But in order to practice, I mean, you you got to buy materials like. Clay and in in Chris's case, or, or wood, right? So, is that expensive?
5: Uh, wood and mat- and equipment can get quite expensive, yeah. but uh, you don't have to spend that kind of money. A lot of the materials I use are what we refer to as roadkill. They're the what's left over when the tree service leaves.
0: Yeah, and and that works out just fine.
5: <laughs> it works out very well.
0: What do you, What are your thoughts there,
4: Sean? Uh, for the furniture making. That's not an option for us. We do have to
0: buy lumber. <laughs> and that's expensive. So that can get costly yeah. for sure, as we know, especially with inflation, right? Yes. Um, Chris, what about in your world? Does it get um, pricey?
3: Yeah, it can for sure. The you know clay itself isn't too expensive. You know, We recycle all our clay here, so everything gets reused until it's ready to get fired. Uh, but the equipment and everything can can really add up quite
0: a bit. Yeah, and let's dig in a bit more as to what you do exactly, because woodworking, ceramics, these can seem like broad categories, right? So tell us more about what it actually entails. I'll start with you, Sean. Like So it's furniture construction, furniture building. Furniture making, yeah. yes. So we,
4: we have a series of three classes. We start with hand tools, where they learn measuring, marking, layout. They cut joints by hand. Mm-hmm. After that, they move on to the machines and we make uh, the first 102 class is they make an arts and crafts end table. And the third class, they make like a tall table with a, they can change the dimensions on this one, but they, you know, do a drawer and they learn more advanced skills.
0: Mm, okay. Do you have to be good at math? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm looking for. It, it helps, it helps to be able to That's read So I'm in journalism. <laughs> Uh, what about you, Andy? In terms the day to day,
5: day to day, the uh, our classes are are pretty straightforward. Uh, a lathe is a, a very safe piece of equipment, and uh, I think easy to learn. Mm-hmm. We've had very good luck with all of our students, uh, and a lot of people refer to the work on a lathe as being instant gratification because it's they're they're very fast. Yeah, uh, and safe. So, uh
0: yeah, cuz that can cause some hesitation, right? The f- I mean, you're working with a saw.
5: We're we're working with a uh a gouge, uh, okay. which is quite sharp. Uh but in the, in terms of a lathe, you're holding the sharp object and the wood is spinning, where with Sean, uh you're take you're holding the wood, the wood and putting it into a sharp object. So we're a, we're a little bit safer. Interesting, but okay. we do have people who are very hesitant when they start, and you. Yeah, how have, do you
0: address that? Being cautious while having fun.
5: You just we we stress having fun and relaxing, and and that and that makes a big difference. You turn better if you're relaxed and having fun.
0: Chris, what about in 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 your world? Is it is it just pottery making?
3: Um, yeah i mean i think clay is pretty versatile you know in terms of like what you can make and there's a lot of parallels there you know we have the pottery wheel which is the spinning wheel uh and that takes you know a lot of practice and time to kind of learn working with that tool yeah and then you know hand building and sculpture and everything like that it's a little more slower pace you have a little more time to work on it and kind of refine and um you know both take practice but.
0: Yeah, I mean you you're both you're actually teaching all of this to other people. So I'm imagining Chris that there's a lot of trial and error and I I'm curious if you've seen people get really excited to start out but then they slowly get frustrated when they don't make the most perfect ceramic object the first time around.
3: Oh, for sure. We get um definitely get uh a lot of humbling for people when they come in. You know, you can you see the movies and TV shows where people are making things real quick and it looks awesome and then you sit down there and you're just amazed on actually how difficult it is um but it just takes takes time and practice
0: things can get really technical with furniture right sean yes so if someone's too stressed about measurements how do you help them relax
4: the measurements aren't the difficult part in furniture making necessarily um and in, in terms of the progress, the hand tools, those skills take a lot of practice, whereas when you're operating machines, it's the students are very successful. Their first projects, you wouldn't know, you wouldn't see a difference between somebody's first project and somebody who's been at it for five years, for example. They do, They do a good job, the classes are designed so that, they don't make those kind of mistakes, of measuring mistakes. Oh, good. Yeah, it's...
0: yeah to talk more about the environment in, in your classes, Andy. I mean, our, do do our people class, come afraid of making mistakes?
5: Uh, there are certainly uh, people who are apprehensive about using the tools, and uh, nobody is successful at it immediately, so it does take time. Uh, they're constantly comparing themselves to we have we have a number of instructors so they're constantly comparing themselves to how quickly one of the instructors can do something as a demonstration Mm -hmm. Uh, and that gets frustrating occasionally but uh, for the most part uh, all of all of our students are are able to do the projects that we would like them to do within the within the time frame that, that we've established and they and they get to go home with something
0: that's the best part, right? Yes. <laughs> this is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Have you wondered how you can get involved with crafty hobbies? Well, we've got you covered with a panel of local crafters from all over the creative and technical spectrum. Our panel consists of Sean Devine, who's the founder and instructor of Chicago School of Woodworking, turning instructor Andy Cuby, and Chris Bussey, who's the owner of Penguin Foot Pottery. Uh, so talk to me. If someone walks in, you know, day one of your, your class, I mean, what can they expect
5: for uh, to learn when they first walk in uh, we start with very basic concepts there are two concepts in turning if we can teach you how to do a bead and a cove that's pretty much it and if you can do those two those two uh things well that's what Pretty much everything else in turning is is built upon. Yeah. So we stress that uh, in the beginning, and all of our projects are built on continuing your skill level with those concepts.
0: And what kind of people come to the woodworking classes? Is it a mix? Are you seeing young folks, older folks?
4: Wide range of students. In terms of age, we get men women, all different sorts of professions, uh, you know
0: and i'm curious where they say their interests come from like what what leads them to when you when you do that survey of like what brought you here or how did you hear about us <laughs> well, what are folks telling we've you? had
5: students as young as 11 oh wow and also the chicago woodturners that i'm part of we do a lot of events with scout groups and school groups, so we cover a wide range of, of classes. Yeah. And uh, another facet of our of our outreach is working with senior centers, so we cover all age groups.
0: Chris, is that how it looks on on your end too? A wide variety uh, of folks yeah. coming in.
3: Huge variety. Um, yeah. You know, I think a lot of folks come in because they're just looking for something else to do that's not you know on the phone or a computer or something like that and mm-hmm. get their hands messy and um, trying not to be as digital
0: <laughs> yeah um, and, and piggybacking Sean off of Andy's response earlier I mean do you get people who aren't necessarily trying to make this a hobby when they come in they, they just want to learn just a, a new quick skill no, I think most most
4: of our students are looking at, to do it as a hobby if they make it and they take the classes you know it's a nine weeks nine nine week commitment okay and what do, get, what are they learning in the first couple classes um in the in the machine well in the hand tool class, it's a nine there's not so much something that they learn in the first week that's it's a progression they do I see a new skill every nine weeks so you need the, to do you need to Do all nine weeks. Yeah. In the machine class, it's, you know, they actually complete a project. So they're not learning one machine. They're learning, you know, a dozen different machines. They learn crosscut, joiner, planer, table saw, routers, mortising machines, dovetail jigs. So every week it's something new.
0: Yeah. Where in the process does uh, woodworking become creative, Andy? Like where, where do folks start to shake things up a little bit? New well things. right
5: right at the beginning. You wouldn't you wouldn't be doing this if you didn't want to do something creative. Mm. So we are they start out creative.
0: Are, are students able to use the shop after classes? Yes. We have do you, a, you find that We folks have do a that? program
4: for graduates. So they have to go through all three furniture making series before they can use open shop. And then once they get to that point they can build the project of their choice. Andy has a club that they can join for wood turning.
5: Oh, cool. The, the, and Chicago, have- wood, the Chicago Woodturners. It's a, we're 35 years old.
0: And what is wood turning for the f- person that doesn't wood, understand? Wood turning
5: is, is actually it's, its corollary is pottery. Uh, pottery, you're spinning clay on a, on a wheel where the axis is vertical. And with wood turning, you're turning wood on a lathe where the axis is horizontal. Uh,
0: okay I'm I'm
5: visualizing
0: this and they're making bowls
4: and spindles we make bowls and
5: and table legs and magic wands and vases and vessels and little boxes like the one I brought to you today Yeah, this
0: is so cool I can't wait to to dive into that (laughs) and and Chris are you seeing folks get creative or try to shake things up a bit in 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 your pottery classes
3: yeah for sure I think um... You know we start off with a lot of the fundamentals uh you know just kind of basic construction and then you know you really get to take your creativity from there you know if the project is bowls you know you kind of make it your own immediately because you're exploring the material and trying something new
0: mm-hmm. do you p- prefer chris to, to do pottery alone or or in a group
3: um, i'm curious that's a good question the uh i would say both you know there's definitely Times with you know learning anything new that you just need to sit down a wheel by yourself and kind of mess up a bunch of times and try new things and then you know when you're working with a group of people or at a table or you know a wheel bay um, just kind of learning from each other is really important too and kind of seeing new things that mm-hmm. you may have not tried before or um, getting tips from other people struggling with the same thing yeah
0: I love that and, and I'm thinking of, of what we discussed earlier, Sean, on, on cost of this whole thing, right? Material costs. Because I, I've often been in situations where I'm trying to build a piece of furniture and I'm shocked that the materials cost about the same as if I went and, you know, bought it from a big box store. That's correct. More so,
4: yes. <laughs> you can't compete How do you with things with that? that are mass produced. I mean, that's the point of mass production. The point of people coming in is that And you have no emotional connection with furniture that you buy. It's disposable for the most part. We live in a disposable society. But, you know, when they make something, there's a certain emotional connection to it that they they hang on to it for life.
0: That is true. There's one chair that I have that, (laughs) you know, I would say I have an emotional connection to for sure. Um, You know what I'm curious from each of you is if there's another craft that you would just love to try outside of your current world.
5: Uh well, ceramics. Ah. <laughs> ceramics I mean, you talked about the similarities there between they're, wood they're, turning. They're very similar and I have not had a chance to to do that.
0: What about you, Chris? Something else you would love to try?
3: Um yeah, actually woodworking. I mean, I do a little bit of <laughs> uh, stuff that I do. Well, why don't we ball. get you guys together? <laughs> yeah. Um but glass also, you know, there's a lot of parallels um
0: yeah. That, oh, so. glass blowing.
4: Yeah, that's a good yeah. one. That was my thought. Yeah. What about you, Sean? Glass blowing. Glass blowing. I, I dabbled in ceramics and photography. I would love to get into fiber arts. Ah. So, you know, knitting, crocheting. Do it. What's yep. stopping you? Yep. <laughs> get work, it done. In, work in seven days. Well, now week. You, you've said it on the radio, <laughs> yeah. so I'm committing all right. you.
0: All right. Before we let you go, tell us where we can find you and your classes.
4: ChicagoWoodworking.com. We've got a website that lists all the
0: classes, the schedule. Excellent. And Andy's on the. Andy's there too. We'll see Andy's picture. All right. They have a. You have a.
5: Wood- <laughs> and uh, the the Chicago, Chicago Woodturners Turners uh, is a a local club. Uh, we're a member of a national organization, but it is a local club. We are you got a website. 30, about thirty five years old. It's Chicago dot com. Beautiful. And Chris.
3: Um, yeah, we're Penguin Foot Pottery. Uh, Penguinfoot dot com. Um, and we're located. Uh, South Logan Square, just kind of right off the western blue line, North Branch.
0: Nice. That's owner of Penguin Foot Pottery, Chris Bussey, and founder and instructor of Chicago School of Woodworking, Sean Devine, and turning instructor, Andy Cuby. Thank you all.
5: Thank you. Thank you.